It's like a loot machine. That's a pretty tight. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Welcome to a live edition of the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian Fulford here. That's A.D. Drew. And it's a pleasure to be on to be able to recap the uh, week number 10. Yeah, we're 10 weeks. Man, can you believe it? We are 10 weeks through the college football season, rounding into the final quarter weeks. For some conferences, championships are uh, right around the corner next week and playoffs coming up uh playoffs in, in a couple of weeks playoffs exactly playoffs and playoffs exactly <laughs> happening <laughs> exactly well said uh, As you your Drew, exactly i i knew you would catch on to that uh, how you doing my friend <laughs> i'm doing all right my brother how we doing man uh Do- you know just what we thought we had everything almost figured out once again Somebody had to throw a monkey wrench into the into the situation. Uh yeah. Who who uh who who I was gonna use another analogy, but that's the PG one. So yeah, who 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 threw the monkey wrench this week? Um that let's see. Hmm be, be that team off the reservation threw a monkey wrench into the West in the SWAC West. Go back to August when I said that everyone would have at least two losses on the west side. So I hit that one. I thought, could, you, said, could, I thought could, you said three. I thought you said three to be to I said be a minimum exact. of two. I said I said the Swack West winner would have at best a record of six and two. Would not surprise me if the Swack West winner finishes five and three. That is what I said. Okay, ding, ding, ding! You're really close. As, uh, as yeah, got to everybody two. has at least we've got two. To two. So yeah, we've first half of two. that is correct. First <laughs> half of that is correct, and it would not surprise me if the other half of that rang true. Um, 
Yeah. yeah so that's uh, that's a good call on your part. Um, I and feel I like that I pop, well, pop those Powerball tickets. Look, hey, look, one point nine billion is what it's worth. Obviously, you're watch if you're watching this show on the day we tape and the day we actually broadcast it, it's Sunday. So that means on Monday, it'll be 1.9. Is nobody hit Saturday they hit night? Two. You think it'll get they over two. two? You think so? They hit two. They hit two. All I'm going to say so is pay your now, taxes, pay your tithes. Well, look, here's the thing about the taxes, right? Because they normally take 40%, right? Maybe even close to half. So if it's over two, that means you are probably running a realistic side of walking home with a billion after taxes, assuming you're the only person who wins, right? Correct. And now, to assuming my, that you take the annuity and let them pay it out to you over 20 years, because you know, oh you my God, lump, which would probably, uh, if it's a 1.9 billion, you're probably talking maybe the lump would probably be about maybe 700 million. 800 million? No, no, it's got to be. No, Drew, you can't take more than half in taxes. No, no, no. Are you really going to take more than I'm half? I'm talking about the, you, take the, you take the lump. If you if you take the 1.9 and take the lump up front, you're probably going to get about 800 billion. Then they're going to take the taxes off of that 800 billion. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. I thought they took the taxes off of the 1.9 million. Now, if you take the lump right now, they're going to take the taxes out now. Okay, so let's let's clarify this here. Let's clarify. It's one point nine. When do they mm-hmm. take the taxes? Do they take it off of the one point nine, or will they take it? Off, I mean, because that's that's the assumption. They take it off right? your payout. They take it. they take it off your payout. So if you take the payout now, they're going to take their taxes out now. If you take the payout over twenty years, like it's designed to do, they're going to take their taxes over the twenty years every year over the twenty years that you that they send you a check. Okay, so so they're taking their taxes off of the 1.9 because I'm taking, if I'm the only winner, one winner, which I don't think is going to happen. I'm making a call that I think at least three tickets hit. There's no way only one person is going to come up with a number. This is it's too big of a jackpot. So most likely you're going to get three people. I'm, I'm guessing. I'm saying the over-under is two and a half. I'll take the over. Okay. Um, with that said, one point nine is the jackpot. They take the t- I, and, and if I'm the only winner, I want the lump sum of what number? I would say eight hundred. Well, wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's one. The jackpot drew is one point nine. I don't get all one point nine billion. Is what you're saying? To clarify, right? If you if you take your check today, no, you don't get the whole one point nine. The 1.9, so that's what a lot of people get confused over the lottery, is uh, you get the 1.9 is paid out over a 20-year annuity. So they pay you, basically, what would that be, $200 million a year or $20 billion a year? $200 billion a year over 20 years. Oh, that's rounded up to now. two. Yeah, that's that's rounded up to two, two billion. That's $200 two billion. Billion okay. a okay. year. $200, 200 yeah. million a year. For twenty years yeah. to equal the two, right. the two billion dollars, yeah. or you could pop, you could take a one time lump sum payment, just like if you go and sue somebody. 
and, and you wind up going to court. You could go to court, or you could or you could take the settlement offer that we give you. That's all that that lump sum is now is a settlement offer. You want you want two hundred billion over the next twenty years, or you want eight hundred billion at one time. Either way, I, your your uncle is going to get his fair share, and that being Sam. All right, I I'm and then so in that case, then if I'm taking eight hundred million lump sum, I'm only probably getting four hundred and fifty million. Right. And then once you pay your Uncle Sam, don't forget about Uncle Drew over here. (laughs) Somehow, somehow I feel like there needs to be, I mean, that's one of the news reports that you don't see. A lot of the news stations are running reports about Powerball numbers and, and all the lotto jackpot. Nobody's really explaining how the money thing works. So I thought, and now that I think about it, you're right, because they do have these other winners. Like if you hit five out of so many, you know, there's going to be hundreds of thousands of people that are going to get five digits. Some people are going to get the Powerball plus three, Powerball plus two. So I guess all of that is factored into that $1.9 billion that's going to be going into the pot. So that would make the big jackpot we're okay. I get it now. That makes sense. Okay. It took me a second though. Yeah. So yeah, um, that, uh, one of the questions we asked on Wednesday's ONG show, we asked, um, what, what would you do or how much would you donate to FAMU athletics if you hit the jackpot? Uh, which is a real, that's an interesting question. So I'll ask you, Drew, if you hit the jackpot, how much are you donating to your universities? Because I know you, you, uh, you are proud of both your degrees, where they came from. How much are you donating to your universities? And are you putting any type of limits, restrictions, uh, what's a better word, maybe uh, caps on things that they can do with that money? Which school you want me to start at, Brian? And I'll make this point. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Whoever okay. you're giving more okay. to, are you giving equal money to both schools? I, I enjoy my time at both schools. Both schools have helped me get to where I am. I'll start off with Tuskegee University. First of all, Tuskegee, if we don't put lights on the stadium, you're not getting a dime from me. I'm going to put that out there. You won't get one single dime from me without lights. Why don't you so, pay for the lights? <laughs> that, 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 that might be part of the package. But if we don't put lights on the stadium at Tuskegee, you're not getting a dime from me. So that's my, okay. that's my one main stipulation at Tuskegee is got to have lights. Going to support the academic programs. Going to support the athletic programs. And, 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 and at both of these schools, I need the track rebuilt. It don't does not necessarily need to be in the present location, but two of the most famous track meets were the Tuskegee relays and the FAMU relays. Oh, and, I didn't know about that. Tuskegee yes, relays, that is. Yeah, Tuskegee relays uh, were two, two of the most famous track meets uh, that there were back in the day. Both these schools need a track. They need work on their their track. So 
Those are the if I wanted to see it, that's where my money would go. And I would love to see the swim program come back at Tuskegee at uh at uh FAMU. I would love to see the swim program. So one one last one, Brian. One last one. I I, I love my international students. So both these programs, both schools need a soccer program. There's no reason HBCU should not have a soccer program. So let's get let's get a soccer program. I love I love you I'm advocating done. for I love you I'm advocating done. for sports that you probably don't watch except during the uh, World Cup uh, or or even follow overseas. I, but but okay. I, I'm, I'm looking I, for I, the I, academic all round student because those international students, which I had a chance to meet, I bought more international students at Tuskegee than I did at Florida A and M. But those international students, you know, that's that's what they did on Sunday afternoon. They would go out and play and play football, as they called it, football. Yeah, and I you know you. that I would that you. would be great to have that type of atmosphere at our HBCUs. Okay, um, good point. I mean, you know, hey, uh, when when you're on campus and when you go through it, it's a different experience, different environment. Um, you know, uh, okay, let's transition here. Of course, want to thank you guys for watching us, YouTube and on Facebook. Please make sure to hit that thumbs up button wherever you're watching our show. Follow us, please. Hopefully you already are. But if not, go follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at MyBCSN1, the number one. Download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on the Google Play and Apple App Store. Just search MyJBN, MyBCSN. And, of course, we'd love for you to make sure you are subscribed to the BCSN Pod Zone, where all of the shows that are part of the Black College Sports Network end up in podcast format. For you to download and listen to Leisure, just in case you're not able to catch it on YouTube, Facebook, or any of these other means that we provide. All right, so here we are, wrapping up week number 10 of the football season on this show coming up around the corner basketball season is starting this upcoming week. So we'll try to get into uh, uh, a quick look ahead in some respect of just what's upcoming for the upcoming week in terms of basketball uh, is concerned, but um, let's go back to, we had a Thursday night, Friday night game before we hit into the Saturday games drew. So I feel like we just going to briefly touch on that and the first thing as it related to Thursday, now you and I both talked about this. <laughs> you called me. I, I had just kind of sat down and started watching on Thursday night. You called and hit me up. And I, I thought this in my head, so it's kind of funny that you called me about it. But as we're watching Alabama A&M and we're watching them on the road at Mississippi Valley State. <laughs> I know where you're going. We're both, I know where you're we're going. both thinking the same thing. We're like, you know, I, I had to first wonder, did ESPN adjust the colors on my screen? Because everything looked really bright. Now, if you recall a game from probably a month ago at Valley, the field was horrible. I mean, it looked like it looked like um, the the field looked like a football field in the Northeast in November. And if you not Northeast, but in the in the uh, the upper the southeast in Virginia, Carolina. Yeah, anywhere in the north where it was just brown. brown. To, to give it a lack of a good color, it was gold, brown, whatever color you want to use. 
And he just kept thinking, tan, yeah. But then you watch the game on Thursday, beautiful green grass. It was not field turf. Like, I know they're working to try to get field turf, right, at that stadium. It was not field turf. I had to double check a couple times and look, it's not field turf. It was beautiful green. It was like a new green Bermuda grass. Like, they had got some grass from Packer, uh, from Lambeau Field or something. I'm sitting there like, where did this grass come from all of a sudden at Mississippi Valley State? You know, and I'm like, it looks good. I mean, it was a little thick, but it looked good. Good green grass. The nice uniforms were all green, I think it was. Um, Alabama A&M had the all maroon. So my colors were vibrant. They were, they were, you know, it was blasting on my TV. And I'm, I'm like, wow. And you hit me up and we're thinking the same thing. You're like, what in the world happened to Valley? So I did, 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 did you ever hear from anybody drew in the 24, 48 hours after that? Did anybody, did you see anybody else mentioning the grass other than you or me? Well, I did call a friend of the program, Kelvin Carter, who was ironically at that game that we saw on television. Uh, that would be the Alcorn Valley game. And I was like, bro, are you watching this game on ESPN? He's like, no, I haven't made it home yet. And so he hit me up after he got to the home. He's like, man, ain't no way. I was just there. Ain't no way. And they played another game. Since I was there, ain't no way. So one of two things had to happen, Brian. They either had to resod the field, which they really only had, I think they only had two consecutive, uh, one off week, so it would have had to basically come up Sunday, hadn't been touched, so you only had two weeks, and it's hard for grass to root this time of the season. And grow even right. if you go with a even if you go with a winter mix, it doesn't get that green and that thick in a two week time span. So B, we know they didn't uh, install field turf. So see, I'm I'm really wondering if they painted it because mm. they knew they were going to be on ESPN. Because because the sideline because the side. Because the sideline wasn't red either. But if you notice, the sideline was red also. And it was not red on that game on HBCU Go. You know, the uh, sideline boxes? Yes, yes. They they were painted as well. They were painted. Uh, they were painted red. Which, which is, which is which why is I come not, up with that theory. Okay. I've seen that happen before on field turfs. But, you know, that because that area you turf. can paint if it's field turf. Yeah, so. Yeah. It does make you wonder, did they did they paint that field? Uh, but anyway, props to Mississippi Valley State. <laughs> got their first grass. win of the Yeah, on the green grass, they got their first win. Uh, despite Alabama A&M outgaining them by about, what, 80 yards. Uh, A&M passed for 363 yards to 194. Um you know, I, I think it was, if I'm, I'm just, I, if I recall from Thursday, you know, a lot's happened since then. It was really a case of turnovers at some bad times that hurt Alabama A&M. I mean, you lose 30. This was a, look, this, this was a bad loss for A&M in my opinion, man. I mean, because I think A&M coming off the Alabama State loss, um, then you, you're losing to a winless team on a short week. 
I, explain it to me, Drew. I mean, what? What? I mean, are, are you happy for? Are, what? What's the takeaway from the game? I mean, good for Valley, bad for A and M. What's your What's your What's your thought? While I kind of dig into where those stats that I was just talking about uh, are coming from. Uh, first of all, going into Valley is not an easy trip for anyone in the swag. B, you're going into Valley on a short week. And going to Valley is has proven to be a nightmare for a lot of teams. Valley has given a lot of teams a scare on a full week when they travel into Itabina. So for Alabama A&M to come in, especially after a, for lack of a better word, a, a rifle game with Alabama State, maybe this was the classic trap game, Brian. Short week, on the road, got Jackson State next week, just got there playing Alabama State. Perfect timing for Valley to get them at home in, the, in their backyard. And especially when you consider Alabama A&M is in rebuilding mode. Let's be real. Alabama A&M is rebuilding this year. So it's like all the stars just happened to align this year for that upset. Yeah, I, I definitely would call it a call it an upset. Uh, you know, Valley jumped out to a lead as much as 20 to seven um as much as 30 to 14 and yeah you know just a couple of late scores a late score by alabama a&m cut it to to 10 but um credit to valley you know jumped on jumped on the lead early and held on this time and um looks like it's going to be a losing season for the bulldogs and you know i i don't think anybody is on the hot seat, but I know there's got to be a lot of people wondering what happened to the defense that Alabama A&M went out and got. And when I say got, I mean they went out in the transfer portal and it was well known. They went out and re- tried to rebuild a team on the defensive side of the ball uh, with about 15. If you go back, go back to uh, what recruiting signing day and you go back and look at the number of guys that, you know, they listed as coming into the program, it it was a new defense. But, I mean, a lot of things happened during the course of the season, you know. And I, I'll be honest, I didn't track this Alabama A&M team all year to say that all 15, 16 of these guys that were coming in stay in the program or stay there in the fall or not. So, um, you know, I guess, I guess that'll be one of the things that will – we'll watch for as the end of the season comes, but uh, props to Valley, man. Cause I was wondering when Valley was going to get that first win. I, I wasn't really sure it was going to happen. Gonna I, I, you know, I guess I, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, so, I mean, they avoided the winless season. Um, I was UAPB, you are on the clock. Well, UAPB has a win. Not a conference win. Okay. Not a conference win. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, they've got, uh, yeah, for, for Valley, they've got Southern and Prairie View. So this, this was, this was their last chance. I mean, when they lost to Bethune Cookman, I actually didn't think they would win uh, a game. I mean, because now what, let's talk about what's interesting here for Valley in just a second, because Friday night's game 
the Alcorn Prairie View game, I felt was the game that was really going to set the table for Saturday. Everybody's bunched up in the West now. Um, Alcorn had at one point had the had the lead in the conference, then had lost the lead in the in that division. Prairie View regained the lead. Uh, there's Texas Southern hanging around. You know, I'm saying all kinds of stuff going on in the West. All kinds of stuff happening in the West. And so Alcorn, by nature of coming up with an overtime road win, right? In overtime, what was it, 23-16 to final score. That game, Alcorn winning, puts them one game out of first. And it also resets the table now to say, here's Southern with a big game against FAMU. Here's Texas Southern with a big game against Jackson State. Those games just got bigger, Drew. And now, look, two games left for everybody. And you look at the schedule, who do you like coming out of the West? How do you see the West playing out with respect to Alcorn's win and Prairie View's lost? It's still Prairie View's to lose, Brian. I mean, Prairie View has the easiest schedule. Of all the teams, all the teams remaining, Prairie View has right. uh, UAPB and Valley to finish out the season. Should win both of those games, but definitely be favored in both of those favored, games. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Southern has Southern has Valley and Grambling. While they should be favored in their Valley game, this is Grambling. This is the. Uh, this is the Bayou Classic. Two wins, two wins in a row for Grambling. Yeah, Grambling's won yes. two in a row. Many people think they probably should have won three in a row if you think back to, even to the FAMU game. Texas Southern, Grambling, Alabama A&M. Texas Southern might have the second easiest role. Uh, they've got Grambling, who has come back on into the uh, scene here of late, but they have Grambling at home. Texas Southern should be a slight favorite in that game. I could see Texas Southern getting that game. And then Alabama A&M, after they played Jackson State, will probably be mailing it in for that last game. So I, that game should be a victory. But Prairie does have one game lead over Texas Southern and has a tiebreaker against Texas Southern. Last team that's in contention, Alcorn. Got Bethune this week. Uh, they travel. Yeah, Bethune travels to them. Should be Bethune, but hey, we didn't see Bethune put up some points this year. Just they haven't been able to stop anybody. And then they've got Jackson State right. at home for the last game. Jackson State will be will be probably be playing for an undefeated season at that point. Uh. So that's going to be a tough one. It is a rival game, but come on. We talked about Jackson State, who's totally dominated everybody in the swag. So right now, it is still Prairie View to lose. Especially considering they own the uh, tiebreaker over everybody in the West head-to-head. Uh, -head. Beat Southern. No, they beat Texas. Beat Te they beat Southern. They beat Texas Southern, but lost to Alcorn. But Alcorn is still, still feeling the ball. Alcorn is still trailing them by one game, so they have to even lose another game before that Alcorn uh, tiebreaker even comes into play. Right, right, right. Good point. Um, which, um, 
that for an interesting run. I, I don't see Jackson State, especially uh, at one point in that ball game, it was a twenty to fourteen ball game, I believe, in that Jackson State um, Texas Southern ball game, and then uh, just two fourth quarter touchdowns, I believe, by Jackson State. Yes. Uh, look, look, yeah. Actually, take that back. Three scores. It was yeah. It was it was twenty one to fourteen, and then uh, two scores late in the third quarter, and then a fourth or two scores in the third quarter, one in the fourth, pushed it to a forty one fourteen. So, just finding ways to separate at the right time. That's what that's what Jackson State does, man. And you know, props to a good crowd sell out twenty one thousand plus there. And, um, you know, uh, Shador Sanders does what he does. Three touchdown performance. Um, uh, how about Savion Wilkerson? That That's the key, I, I think, you know, to what they've been able to do this year is they've had a solid running back to lean on. 214 net yards uh, twenty on 26 attempts, two scores. I feel like it's been forever since maybe a Jackson State running back has had 200 something yards. So, um, I, you know, that, that's uh, props to them and props to Wilkerson. Um, you talked about the Southern, talked about Southern losing to uh, Florida AM 30 to 16. The Rattlers, 15 wins in Bragg, seven in a row this year after losing to uh, Jackson State. And I, I I made a quick little appearance on Carlos Brown's show, and I think all three of my predictions or the things that I wanted to see happen actually came in, Drew. Uh, I said Jeremy Moose, the quarterback, had to have a good game uh, and, and not make killer mistakes. Uh, 224 yards passing, three touchdowns, no INTs. I said the running game. We needed to see a running game. For probably the first time this year, FAMU rushed the ball 35 times compared to passing 34 times. So more runs than passes. Now, balance, exactly, and the play calling. You know, I I don't think the the, the play calling didn't get get out of hand. You know, I mean, there was no trickeration. There was – it was just a solid, good performance. Although you did have the fake field goal. Which – you know, we talk about timing, timing. You know, I said there, there needed to be play calling done at the right time. Fake field goal turned into a, a great decision, you know. Um, so there's there's that. And uh, I, I'm real excited for uh, what FAMU put out there on the field the other day. Uh, they, they, they have a lead back, it seems like. A.J. Davis, the pit transfer looks to be the part but then again there it's a it's a three back core and you know they they just look good man um a lot of positives and i mean just tough you know i heard tell me what you think about this i heard carlos say that southern looked tired uh he said it last week against jackson state and did you did you think that was the case as you watched them against uh famu Southern looked frustrated because of the offensive ineptness for for Eric Dooley, who's supposedly an offensive guru, hasn't been able to figure out a quarterback. I think the Southern Jaguars are not happy with the quarterback situation. 
the situation Again? in the quarterback room. I think you get the feeling that the players feel someone else should be playing quarterback, but the coach is riding with the quarterback that he's riding with. And, and, and one other thing, Brian, you talked about Florida A&M. November, November 23rd, 2019. You know what that is, Brian? What's significant about that day? Is that the anniversary of a Bethune-Cookman loss? Yes, but you know what's, what's so significant about that Bethune-Cookman loss? Oh, no, I don't. Not even going to try to guess. That is the last time Florida A&M has lost to an HBCU not named Jackson State. Wow. Wow, that's impressive. And no, that's impressive. prior to that, you have to go back to the 2018 season before they lost to somebody else not named Bethune or Jackson State. Yeah. Because that was the only um, HBCU lost that season in 2019 was to Bethune. Yeah, I heard somebody else, uh, I heard somebody else, or I read someone else tweet that FAMU is now something in two in SWAC games SWAT. with their only two losses. Yeah, against the SWAC. Their only loss being to, of course, Jackson State. Um, uh, the playoff push, Drew, is something that's real for FAMU. I know we'll talk briefly about playoffs on the other side for the non-D1, but uh, it's, it's, it's back in play now with two games to go, Alabama State and Bethune. If you had to give a percentage, what's the likelihood that FAMU might be able to get into the playoffs, assuming that, obviously, they have to win both games? Actually, with Alabama State doing better than most expected them to do at this point in time, this realistically is uh, Florida A&M's last chance to get some style points because they won't get any – they just can't make the Bethune game be a close game. They beat Bethune by double digits. They they do what they're supposed to do. Preferably, they need to beat Bethune by 20, 30, uh, kind of like they did last year. Now, as far as the Alabama State game goes, they just have to win this game as far as impressing the committee because Alabama State comes in 6-3. and three. So it's not like you're playing a, a – uh, a bad Alabama State team who's played against some FCSs. And you play you talk about an Alabama State team that played better against Jackson State than Florida AM played against Jackson State. So this is an opportunity to go and impress the committee by inference. We played better than the team who played better than us against Jackson State. So this is but this is this is a key game. They need to win. It would look nice to win this game by more than one score, but a W in this game, this upcoming Saturday, will put FAMU in a good position. Right now, I'd, I'd be leaning 55, 45, maybe, of them getting in. It's going to take, take some help with some other people uh, losing, but they are leaning in that direction. But I don't think it, it's not, it's not super high like it was last year. That's uh, that's interesting because I, I think I had read or I thought I had read that there were some losses in the FCS that might have opened the door and helped 
helped FAMU's chances. So, I mean, I'll have to, uh, like you said, here's FAMU 7-2 and two going against a 6-3 and three Alabama State team. Um, and, and that's what's going to be interesting coming up this week. They're on the road, and as you said, if they can find a way to get a good road win, last road win, last road game of the season, true road game of the season, uh, I, I think that'll that will help them going into uh, that push. It's just, uh, I don't know, sometimes it's head-scratcher, Drew. It's hard to believe what's happening here uh, with the consecutive years that FAMU has been able to sort of overcome a tough loss to Jackson State in two different fashions. They're both tough losses, two different ways, right? But to be able to put together streaks, uh, quite impressive, quite impressive indeed. Um and, and, Real quick, Brian, I guess I'll just yeah. Oh, uh, there's talk that next year when the game moves from Miami back to campus sites, that the FAMU Jackson State game may be pushed back to November. Wow, that'll be interesting. Um, I'm trying to think the well. That'll be interesting to see the, what what that means then to not only the Southern Jackson. Uh, well, you know why that's possible? Think about this. Here's why that's possible. Now that I think about it, because they're talking about playing the SWAC, that quote unquote SWAC classic in Birmingham next year between Southern and Jackson State. That'll be a September game. Right. So that's a non-conference conference game. But uh, with that game, which has been usually in the November, late October season. Last week in the October, first week of November. Yeah. Right. It, it, it sort of it was sort of trade spots with uh with the FAMU Jackson State thing over the last couple of years. That that'll be interesting with that game being moved where it's no longer sitting in the beginning of the season for both teams, but it's one of those late mid season games, you know, where where both yeah. teams have sort of had a chance to really play out and work through some of the early season kinks, so to speak, right? Now, Brian, just Uh, before we get off this, you're in a a SWAC office. Do you play this? Knowing that the rival game is played the third weekend in November for both these schools, FAMU, Bethune, Jackson State, Alcorn. Do you play this game, FAMU, Jackson State, weekend, first weekend or second weekend if you're in the SWAC office? First weekend in November. Because you know why? You know what was this past weekend? If you think about some of the big games that happened in FBS, you had big matchups all over the country in this first weekend of November, right? I mean, Alabama, LSU, Clemson, Notre Dame, Georgia, Tennessee. I mean, those games are always around the same time of the year. So I I think if you're SWAT, the SWAC office – you got to, you know, it would it would behoove you to put a Jackson State FAMU game first weekend in November. Uh, obviously, FAMU hopefully will be smart enough to schedule someone else for homecoming and won't try to even think about scheduling Jackson State for homecoming. Um, you know, the same way teams should be worried about getting on the schedule for FAMU for homecoming because it just it just doesn't work out very well. But but uh, that that'll be. The, and by the fact, do you know who the last team that FAMU lost to in Bragg Stadium is, Drew? 
No. Any idea? You... No. Uh-huh. I know it's not Jackson State because I know we hadn't played Jackson State, so I know it ain't them. <laughs> so it, uh, it is Jackson State, actually. 2018. What? 20. Uh, no, no. You know what? I think I think I'm wrong. It, it was South Carolina State. I know they lost to they yeah. lost to in that season Jackson State earlier, but actually I remember. It's South Carolina State. That was uh, so. I, I that, that would be November tenth, twenty eighteen. Yeah, that would be the game in which if FAMU won that game, they would have uh, won the at that time the MIAC. Yeah, yeah. they would have won the MIAC that year. They would have won. That, the MIAC that's where that they year. lost the three in a row to keep to lose the MIAC. The three in a row to lose to MIAC, and that was in Coach Simmons' first year. Uh, I believe it's yeah. his first year. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I poo-poo, I poo-pooed right all over my, my big setup there. So nothing, nothing better than that. Hey, uh, real quick, Grambling state 36 to 10 overall corn or UAPB, excuse me, Alabama state 37, 22 over Bethune where the other two sweat uh, games. And I think this upcoming week, is a all all twelve SWAC teams are playing conference games, if I'm not mistaken. This upcoming Saturday, uh, yes, yep, it's a full schedule. So this is one of the one of the few, one of two. There were only two this year, so this is this the is second the one and the last. Yeah, right, right. They had a couple of weeks where they did five, where you had five SWAC games. Well, this one, yep. you got the other would have been. The other one would have been October eighth, week six. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so obviously the, the the highlight in all eyes, I think, by looking at the the, the schedule is really gonna be the FAMU at Alabama State game. You know, number two and three in the East. All of the other ones, you really have a dominant team against sort of a bottom two team. Uh, Alabama A&M, Jackson State might be interesting, but not really. You've got Prairie View traveling to UAPB, Valley traveling to Southern, Bethune traveling to Alcorn State, Grambling traveling to Texas Southern. That might be the second interesting game to kind of pay attention to in terms of uh, what what looks like an even matchup, Okay. Uh, hey, I, before we jump over to the MIAC, Drew, I got to give a shout out to North Carolina A&T. Well, it sort of, it sort of mixes in with the MIAC because they played Norfolk State this past week. And remember remember the beginning of the season for North Carolina A&T? I mean, you lose to your rival. Uh, then you have to go play North Dakota State. You get whopped by them. Then you play Duke. And so you're 0-3. Lots of questions in Aggie Nation. Of course, you know, part of the Big South. And then here comes that game against South Carolina State at the end of September. And they won that game 41-27. to And I don't think a lot of people really – I don't think a lot of people were feeling the Aggies. I mean, they didn't really look at that win. I mean, I, obviously a good win against the conference champ, but I think people might have been still butthurt about losing to Central. And but but guess what, Drew? Since that time, um, the Aggies whooped up on uh, 
you know, a pair of conference rivals that are or conference opponents that are in the bottom tier. They beat up on Edward Waters. Then they beat a tough Campbell team. And I think when they beat Campbell 45 to 38 for homecoming, everybody's eyes open and their ears perked up like, yo, this Aggie team might be pretty good. And then they, they take on Norfolk State, beat them 49 to 24. And they've won six in a row quietly, Drew. Quietly, the Aggies have like the third longest winning streak right now in FCS HBCU football. Behind and, uh, Jackson State and Florida A&M. And Florida A&M, yeah. And, and it looks to be they've got Charleston Southern and Gardner-Webb. And I think it's the, you know, the Gardner-Webb game, I think, is the team that's sort of running with them right now. In, Retired, I believe. In the big yeah, so it's going to come down to that. But we might see the Aggies in the playoffs, Drew. And they might be going in there with an eight-game winning streak. What a – how impressed are you with the Aggies? I know, uh, you know, quietly doing work. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very impressed. You know, a team that we had written off early, uh, they've come back around, you know. Most of us gave South Carolina State more of a chance to come around and dominate their conference than we gave A&T. And lo and behold, we were 100, 100% wrong. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, props to uh, North Carolina A&T. Been a tough year for Coach Odom over there on the Norfolk State side of things. Um, but uh, they uh, they seem to have things going in the right direction. So we'll, 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 we're now watching the Aggies. We're on Aggie watch these last two weeks. Somewhat rude. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting for the Aggies, hoping that they can finish the job, win the conference, and get to the playoffs. Speaking, speaking of MEAC, though, Brian, North Carolina Central has essentially locked up the MEAC now with that win over Howard. They are 3-1 and one in the MEAC. Yes, I did tell you everybody in the MEAC would have a, have a loss. I called that one back in August also. So uh, Central has pretty much locked up the MEAC, though, as I believe their only remaining match is against – Norfolk State. The only match so, well, that's, is that's against Norfolk. Yeah, a Norfolk State. And in, in a BAC way, shape, and form that it is, Brian, everybody has, has a win and everybody has a loss in conference. But Central controls Man. their own destiny. Look, point blank, Central win or, or you get a Howard loss or a Delaware State loss, the title is Central. And wouldn't it be nice to see a nine and two central in the celebration bowl against a potential twelve and old Jackson State? That's something that the people in Atlanta can market. And then also when you get the distance from Durham to Atlanta, yeah, a celebration bowl this year will be blown out if those two teams make it in. Yeah, uh, Central with a fifty to twenty-one win over Howard. Um, so Howard had had a taste of being in first place for a week, and or less than a week, and poof, it's gone. So uh, you know, good job, uh, Howard. You, I hope you enjoyed it. But I mean, hey, you know, it's it's I a hope, rebuilding I hope program, you got so. I hope the Bison had some antacids because that might have went down too fast. They ate might ate that too fast. 
<laughs> uh, of course, you mentioned Delaware State, 27-24 win over South Carolina State in overtime. Can we can we can we bury the Bulldogs now? Can we can we be done with the talk of South Carolina State potentially going back to the Celebration Bowl and all that? Can we can we put that to bed now? Is it officially over? Brian, South Carolina State is in last place with the tiebreaker. South Carolina I, State is at last place. I feel like nobody's ever in last place in the MEAC just because it is the MEAC and there's only six teams. I, so, I mean, you say that, but really next week they could be in third place. I, so, I mean, so, so what you're saying, Brian, we could have three teams finish three and two and three teams finish two and three? Yes, it could, it could mathematically happen, y'all. Just want to put that out there. <laughs> Yeah, it, it definitely could. Um, let's see. So Delaware State next, uh, I guess they've got Morgan State, and then they've got Campbell. So next week, I guess Morgan State takes on uh, – no, Delaware State takes on Morgan State next week or this upcoming Saturday. That finishes out there. And then they, that finishes out there. And that finishes their conference. Yeah, and yeah. Morgan State with a tough loss, lost to non-conference Stony Brook 24-22. to 22. Um, so, you know, right now, uh, the, the flashes that Morgan state has shown, uh, just not there yet, not there yet, but they're getting there. Um, Hey, I got also, I want to also mention Hampton Hampton played a top 10 ranked William and Mary team played them. Well, I think, uh, losing, uh, what was the score? Was it, it was like 20 to 14. I believe was Something. the final score. Um, yeah. yeah, it was a very close ball game for Hampton. So, uh, I, I mean, again, Hampton, a lot of people thought they'd only get three wins. I know they've got four, and they're four and five, but they're playing competitive ball in the uh, CAA. And I think I think another year, we could really be seeing A&T and uh, Hampton challenging that upper tier or maybe even being a tough team in the middle. And, and that's the kind of conference that if you, if you steal a couple of wins against the top team and you can win your non-conference games, you might end up with an yeah. at-large bid because the CAA yeah. has that kind of street cred, right? Right. And, and Brian, uh, before we finish off FCS and go to break, uh, just got to mention that Tennessee state lost to Southeast Missouri state and they lost very large. Nah, I think we covered all, all say of about the FCSs. That. Let's go to break. <laughs> That's it. Let's go to break. You're watching the BCSN Sports Wrap. We'll be back in just a moment. That's a pretty tight spot. Watch this. Of course your view works itself. That's so you. It's just up here on the right. Of course you know where we're going. That's so you. Kind of got a sixth And a head-up display. They're here. Hit the field. Warm up. You brought all these players in your Buick? Yeah. So you. It is. There's a Buick that fits your life because at the heart of every Buick SUV is you. You see, Head & Shoulders has Scout Shield technology. Protects against flakes, even between washes. It's never not working. Kind of like us. Number 15? Never not working. I don't like this one. Me neither. Let's get out of here. Head & Shoulders Scout Shield. Never not working. Follow the Black College Sports Network 
on social media at MyBCSN1, the number one, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at MyBCSN1. Welcome back to the BCSN Sports Wrap. Brian and AD here. And Drew, I wanted to uh, transition us over talking about the the D2, uh, non-D1 teams. And let's start right off the bat, Drew, with the number one team. Okay, I, I feel like we got to talk about the history that's being made over at uh, Benedict College, uh, of course, Coach Chennisberry, he'll tell you, we're just one and oh, baby. We're just one and oh, but now, Coach, you, you strung, when you string together 10, ten consecutive one and oh weeks, um, that's pretty doggone big, man. And uh, so, uh, congratulations to Benedict College. But hey, the season's not over, though, because now you've got this big time, uh, championship game that I believe you're hosting. Benedict is hosting, correct? Correct. Yeah, Benedict's hosting. Uh, They're going to be hosting uh, against Tuskegee, um, who, hey, Drew, Tuskegee uh, returns to Cleve Abbott Memorial Alumni Stadium, something to that effect. Did I get it right? Did I say it in the right order? You got it right. 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 There you go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh my god the longest stadium name ever but yeah i said, I said it right I always put the memorial after the name after the person's name okay yeah i you know i i couldn't 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 i, I knew that so i knew it was something like that i thought i was gonna mess that up but uh tuskegee with a, with a uh, what was it overtime or double overtime win over miles double overtime thirty-five thousand in tuskegee alabama uh, one of the best atmospheres you will ever have for an HBCU football game. If it, if you have a bucket list of places to go and watch a black college football game, please include Tuskegee on your bucket list. Uh, and, and, and the game they had to win twice, Brian, in overtime. What do I mean by winning the game twice, Brian? In the first overtime, there was a fumble as uh, the Miles quarterback, uh, name slips my mind right now, was running, and they called him down by contact, but he did not have control of the ball, nor was his knee on the ground, according to replay. But as we know in Division Two football, right, they cannot go to the monitor, so they had to go with the call on the field. Then... Two plays later, the ball, as the Miles running back was running into the end zone, the ball was fumbled into the end zone. 22 players on a football field, Brian. Only two players saw the ball roll towards the back of the end zone. The Miles offensive lineman and a Tuskegee defensive back. The first time, the tort, one of the few times the tortoise beat the hair to the ball. As the defensive, as the offensive lineman was able to fall over the ball just before it rolls out the back of the end zone to secure the touchdown for Miles. Now that ball rolls out the back of the end zone. That is a touchback. 
Tuskegee wins, Tuskegee wins the game. So that's the second opportunity that they had to win the game before they finally won the game. Uh, and, and kudos to Coach Ruffin. Going forward in overtime, in double overtime, on a fourth and one to continue the drive. And all Tuskegee needed to do was to kick a field goal to send it to a third overtime. But you know, in the third overtime, all you do is alternate two-point plays at that point. So he wanted to end the game uh, being in control. So he got the first down, and two plays later, Tuskegee scored the touchdown. And, Brian, we talked about that brand-new field turf that Tuskegee just installed, that was the second time that the fans rushed the field within a five-minute time span as they rushed the field after the apparent fumble. So all that stay off the field, we got this brand-new field turf. Don't bring all this trash out on the field. The people said to hell with this. We're going to put this new turf between our toes and run out here and celebrate with our team for the only game that we will play at our stadium this year. Well, at least they did it with shoes on, Drew. They did it with shoes on. Right? Now, <laughs> uh, on that, on that sideline, on that sideline where the uh, shed is, where the students sit, that that's uh, the the is that the visitor side or the home side? Okay, v- very weird fan configuration at Tuskegee. Where the shed is is direct Tuskegee's team sits opposite the press box. In both stadiums, that would be the visitor sideline. So, but Tuskegee, every game they play, they've always got the chains in front of them because the chains are opposite the press box. But since the team is opposite the press box, they, they're on the chain side. And the student section is directly behind the team. Matter of fact, that's all Tuskegee on that side. So on the press box right, side, right. On the press box side, directly in front of the press box, is where you had the VIPs and the box seating and everything else, the stadium seats. And then on outside of the probably the 35s to the end of the uh, bleachers is where the visitors where the visitors sit at. And then of course everything else on the hill and everything else is where you have all of the home people. So very limited seating for the visitor at. Alumni Bowl. All right. So uh, Tuskegee with a 26-23 win over Miles, double overtime. I guess I should mention Benedict. I mentioned Benedict earlier, not the score. 54-21 to 21 was that score over Allen. Pretty impressive uh, performance. Probably the big upset. I don't know if you call it an upset, but in the Fountain City, no, Fountain Music City. No, Fountain City. Fountain, Fountain Music City. City. Yeah. Oh, City. No music. Okay. No yeah, music. Okay. Thank you. I know that. I'm, I'm thinking something happening in Nashville. Uh, the Fountain <laughs> City. Because we didn't. We 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 did something called the Fountain Music City. Didn't no, we? It was the Music City Baseball no. Diamond Classic or something That's, like that. We did all right, baseball. Anyway, too much. Too much. Right. Too much going on. All right. So anyway, Valley versus Albany State. Uh, I, I don't. I don't know how long. What has it been? It's been a while since. Fort Valley has beat Albany State, right? 16. Right, 2016. 2016. Yeah. Albany State uh, won well, eight of the last 10. Yeah, well, the streak and, is and, over. Yes. Fort Valley with the 31 21 victory. Um, you know, they got out to the early lead, 
7-0. And, and then uh, you almost had a, a pretty even game from there. I mean, 17-14 in the second quarter. But remember I told you at the beginning of the season, one of the things, one of the reasons I, I, I liked Valley being in contention this year is because of a guy, a young man by the name of Emmanuel Wilson. I remember talking about him at the beginning of the season uh, and and the last game of the year, last, well, may, maybe not, but at least the last regular season game thus far that we know of, uh, he rushes 28 times, 221 net yards, three touchdowns, and I can't recall the last time Albany State's given up 200 yards to a back. It's been a minute, uh, but impressive yeah. performance by uh, Fort Valley, and uh, they come away with the win. Uh, what's your – I know uh, you, you guys talked about this game early. Uh, I, I got to give credit to <laughs> to Mike for dropping, I think, you know, Mike loves his data points. So when he dropped mm-hmm. the doubles, the double <laughs> data points, I'm just going to call it the double data points, I thought that was excellent. Uh, what are your yeah. thoughts, Drew? Anything you want to – uh, uh, expand on as it relates to that and game. I, I was there, and I didn't even pick up on that data point that everything was essentially mm. double. First downs were double, yardage was double, turnovers were double, yada yada yada. Valley Valley won every statistical category. Going back to Emmanuel Wilson, uh, Albany State has had tough time stopping the run this year. Their defense has been more opportunistic as in the, the fact that they're able to create turnovers, which they were not able to do in this particular game. But they, they have had a little trouble stopping running team. Now, you did say a single back, yes. Emmanuel Wilson was has probably the one single back that has that killed all the state. But Emmanuel Wilson ran for a good amount of yards last year. In the 57 nothing win against Albany State. Just could not put anything on the scoreboard. And, Brian, be it not for a guy named Eric Phoenix with a 10-0 Benedict College team, Emmanuel Wilson would probably be able to claim SIEC Player of the Year. So... Just want to see how the voters come out with that. I think it's going to go to Phoenix just because of what Benedict has done. But Emmanuel Wilson should definitely be getting some votes by the SIDs this week for Player of the Year. Well, he should definitely be over a thousand yards if he wasn't over a thousand. He was, he was already over a thousand yards. Yes, he had already achieved. That's what I thought. Yards. Yeah, that's what I thought. So I mean, so coming he should into be the game, he's twelve pushing thirteen hundred right now. So he'll, he'll ease. I mean, he was the number two in terms of yardage backs um, in in the uh, among non D one HBCUs uh, anyway. And so, um, credit to uh, Fort Valley. And and so, let I mean, obviously, some of the other games that they're, they're. I mean, you had a close game, Central State beating Kentucky State thirty one thirty. Uh, Savannah State finishing their season five and five. I think that's a that's a, about as impressive as I think you could expect from a team that we had a lot of questions about coming into the start of this year. So uh, they beat Lane forty four to thirty eight. Um, 
Lane would well, be on the other side of that spectrum. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, th- okay, see, I didn't. No, no, I said I'm glad you said that because I don't see that on the SIAC site. I was not aware of yes. that Morehouse got their first win against Clark, huh? Yes. Yes. I hey, believe what a way! Nothing better than across. Uh, None better than beating your AU center rival and getting win number one at the at the end of the season. So, um, you know, if, if it's better to it's better to end your season with a win, even if it's one and nine, at least you ended it with a win, and it gives you something to go into the spring feeling especially good. Especially when it's a rival, especially when it's your rival. Yes, exactly, exactly. Um, do you want to set? Let's set the what the future holds for the SIAC teams before because obviously Benedict is one what is the playoffs and what does the future look like for uh obviously Benedict Tuskegee Fort Valley I think we'd say maybe Albany State's opportunities in the playoffs are over yes no all right well Brian I will go to inkblocksports.com and go through the quickly go through the projected rankings that will come out on tomorrow those rankings will be available on NCAA.com on the Division II football tab on NCAA Division II, on NCAA.com tomorrow afternoon. So quickly, okay. uh, with the Delta State loss, Benedict is now projected to be the number one team in the region. That is important not only for uh, your you get the home game, but you're at home throughout the region. So that means you will put and you get the buy. So that is doubly important being in that number one spot, not only for the buy, but home field throughout the regional portion of the playoffs. Delta State comes in at number two. And excuse me, Benedict record is 10 and 0, 10 and 0 in region. Delta State uh, comes in at number two, 8 1, 7 and 1 in region. And when I read these records, these are Division two records, uh, everyone. Virginia Union bumps up to number three. Eight and one, eight and one in region. I'll talk about the significance of that in just a moment. West Florida with narrowly escaped a victory over Valdosta State. They are seven and one, six and one in region. Matter of fact, uh West Florida had to go for went for two in overtime against Valdosta State. Wingate, eight and two. And, and let's eight, let's back, eight, up, two in back region. up for a second. Okay. You mentioned you mentioned Virginia, uh, who got a win against Virginia State thirty-three to twenty-one. On, on Saturday, so that that sort of keeps their. Uh, you mentioned their standing they, they right be now. In. What in four? They, sh- they be should in. be. In. They'll be three. Okay. Virginia Union is three. Not only are they in, but they're hosting three. first round. Yes. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Go ahead. Right. Go right. Ahead. They were now. The thing. I'll get to, to finish it off. Wingate comes yeah, in. Five, Wingate is five, eight and two, eight and two in region. Fort Valley. Number six, eight and two, eight and two in region. Limestone is number seven, 72, 72 in region. Those would be the seven teams that would be in. First one out, Mars Hill, 71, 71 in region. Fayetteville State, eight and two, eight and two in region. And Tuskegee, eight and one, eight and one in region. So those are your top 10 teams. So two of the three that are immediately out are HBCUs. Three of the seven that are in are HBCUs. With Union now uh, projected to be number three, Brian, 
our chances of a uh what what did we call the game last week? Where a CIAA team takes on a SIAC team. I forgot the title that we gave it. Uh, the winner. Well, we had obviously you had the winner of the state union. Uh, what I call the uh, the Panther Trojan uh, showdown against the uh, Fountain City Classic uh, winner. Yeah, but we had gave it some kind of creative nickname. But whatever that nickname was, we have to go back to last week's show and oh, watch yeah, it. I forgot, I forgot about uh, that already. With Union sitting at number three and Fort Valley sitting at number six, that may no longer be, be a need for these two teams to play or these two teams to pick up another game because they should be safely and securely in. What do I mean by that? Earned access goes to the not necessarily the conference champion, but the highest rated team out of every conference right now. Benedict is the highest rated SIAC team. They are in win or lose in the championship game. Okay. Delta State out the Gulf South is the Gulf South representative. They are in win or lose next week. Virginia Union, CIAA. They are they are off next week. Do not play. Be conservative. Do not play. The only thing that 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 they can do is hurt themselves by playing. They in for the. Could Union go from could Union fall from three to maybe six or seven by not playing? I, the, the furthest I can see Union drop it is three to four because West Florida could jump them. Okay, that and that four, would be the furthest that I can see. They would still host first round okay. and set up a potential second round against Benedict. Got it. All right, uh, Wingate would be the SAC representative. So you've already taken care of your earned access, which means that no one should get bumped out be if a if a lower rated team wins from from a conference. So Fort Valley right now is safe. Now, how does Tuskegee and Fayetteville State get in? A, they gotta handle their own business and win. B okay. they need someone ahead of them. To lose the 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 teams that they need to lose. Who can that be? Live is the only team that could potentially help help one of them out. Who is sitting in that number seven spot? Limestone would have to lose, and Limestone has. If you give me just a moment, I will tell you who Limestone has this week. If this is a winnable or losable game for them. Limestone will have Emory and Henry, which Limestone will be favored, uh, will be highly favored in that game. So the chances of Limestone losing are slim. The only other team that has a uh, chance, Wingate. Wingate plays UVA-wise, they'll probably win that game also. So I I would essentially say everything is pretty much set. It's going to be, unless there's an upset, as much as I would love to see Tuskegee and or Fayetteville get in, 
I don't think either one of them will be able to get in. And if they do get in, it may be at Fort Valley's expense. Because Fort Valley okay. with Limestone playing and Fort Valley not playing, you could you could conceivably see Limestone and Fort Valley flip-flopping spots from six to seven. Okay. So conference so essentially what you said is winning a conference title doesn't necessarily matter i.e if Fayetteville State and if Tuskegee win their conference championship game uh Fayetteville State will be playing Shawan who uh, clinched the north Fayetteville State clinched the south uh Tuskegee will be playing Benedict so even though Tuskegee would get a good win should they knock off the number one team Benedict it may not be enough. Is that what you're saying? That I know that that'll be disappointing yeah, uh, to hear for a lot of uh, Tuskegee fans. Assuming that the teams ahead of them win, if one of those teams ahead of them should lose, it would be enough to get them in. But just wow. Tuskegee wins, Fayetteville wins, and everybody ahead of them wins, it will not be enough to leapfrog anybody. If that makes sense. That'll be that'll be interesting. So I mean, there'll be a lot of uh, a lot of uh, a lot of upset Golden Tiger fans should it turn out that way. Um, so that that's something to pay attention to. We'll we'll uh, we'll be coming on Thursday. We were just talking about this Thursday. We're going to do a a uh, CIAA and SIC championship preview show Thursday night. Kind of reset again. A lot of these. Uh, once the rankings come out, because the rankings will come out what Tuesday night, Monday, Monday night, Monday, Monday night. Monday so afternoon. we'll know we'll know the rankings, and then we'll kind of see. Then we'll play the scenarios. We'll we'll start looking at all of that. So uh, make sure you tune in with us uh, to to see where uh, what's going on there. All right, let's uh, let's do this. Let's transition over to our top fives, the new BCSN top five, because. Uh, we're going to be ending uh, today's show a little bit early, so uh, I want to make sure we get this in, and then I want to quickly mention some of the games that will be highlighting the start of the college basketball season in the MEAC and the SWAT. So let's go over to the uh, non-D1 top fives. Non-D1 top fives. And, uh, let's make sure I got my graphics ready. Okay. Here we go. I don't know. Are you ready for me? Give me a thumbs up. You're ready. Okay. Sorry about that. I'm ready. You're always got ahead the graphic on the screen. All right. I see it. All right. I'm just going to try to. I lost my doggone thing here. Damn it. All right. Da, 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 da. Just hit. Just hit play. Start. Start the graphics because I I had the sheet pulled up. Now I lost it somewhere. All right. In the mix. In the hunt. Rather, you've got Albany State finishes their season seven and three, five and two overall. Um, Virginia State finishes their season at six and four, five and three after losing the Union. Okay, so that means number five now is Fort Valley State. Uh, I think that should be eight and two, shouldn't it? Finishing their regular season eight and two. Yes, correct. Uh, correct. After winning, after winning and defeating Albany State, uh, good season for Fort Valley. Could Fort Valley, if they schedule a game against somebody? Is there an opportunity for them to be in the playoffs? Possibly find their way into the Fort Valley's in right now. I mean, Fort Valley's actually into the playoffs. Yes, really. Okay, number six, number six, 
They would be in, they 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 right number six. They would be in at large. Right. You, I'm sure you said that. I must have spaced when you said it. Sorry about that. All right, number four in the uh, rankings. Number four, we've got uh, Fayetteville State, the South Division winners. This is it. Look, they. This is the fourth. Your fourth year is the charm. I gotta believe everybody in the CIAA offices want Fort Valley State to win this. They are the only entity to win this championship. I'm sorry, Fayetteville State, Fayetteville State to win this. Uh, they are the only HBCU in this contest. Uh, I'm sure they'll put on a nice face and be happy for Shawan, but for HBCUs, uh, this is it. And this is the this is it. You fourth year in a row. Come on, Fayetteville State, get it done. All right, number three. Uh, oh, Brian, Brian. We, yeah, we said this on uh, Doctor Cavill's show this morning. All of your sorority sisters have been getting married, and you're the only one, and I mean Fayetteville State, who has not gotten married yet. That's what this feels like. Always the bridesmaid, never the bride. (laughs) Pressure. No pressure. All right, moving on, moving on. Number three. Number three, we have Tuskegee. Tuskegee, after the over double over and over miles, eight and two. Winners, I believe, how many in a row is it? Eight? Seven, seven, seven in a row. Eight in a row. Seven. Eight in a row. Eight in a row. In seven a row. in conference. Second longest streak in black college football behind Jackson State with nine, just ahead of FAMU with seven. Uh, next up, they take on Benedict. Um, I We'll talk more about that Thursday. That'll be interesting to talk about. All right, number two. That means number two is Virginia Union, nine and one, great season. Um, Drew, you said if you were Virginia Union, sit back, don't bother playing a, a, an eleventh game, and mess it up. So just take Correct. the bye week and get ready for the playoffs. And that means Correct. number one, unbeaten, ten up, ten down, ten ten one and zero oh weeks by Benedict, but they still got one to go. And they'll be hosting Tuskegee in Columbia, South Carolina on Saturday. That should be a great game. That should be a packed house. The entire city of Columbia should be out uh, t- for that contest. I know Tuskegee is, is Tuskegee going to travel to that game, Drew? Is, is uh, Tuskegee Golden Tiger Nation? Are they going to be there? But Tuskegee travels. There you, it is. You may, so. see a, you may see a record attendance. In this particular game, we all know that stadium holds uh, over ten thousand. Brian, we're going to see close to that capacity, if not uh, SRO, in this particular stadium. Especially the Atlanta uh, alumni out of uh, Tuskegee will be make that two-hour ride. Guys from Charlotte alumni be making that ride. Yeah, definitely going to see uh, some Tuskegee people down there in Charlotte. I mean, all right. Looking forward to talking. Looking forward to talking about that some more on Thursday. All right, let's head over to the Division One level as we move over our top five. Uh, these are the BCSN computer rankings. Uh, our seventh poll and in the hunt from out of the Division One level, you've got Southern who lost to FAMU, Delaware State. Uh. Well, I'm going to go with the names, even though, don't worry, the logos are a little off, but I think the names are what were important here. Delaware State is in the hunt, sitting at 5-4 and four after beating South Carolina State and Prairie View, uh, who lost to uh, 
Alcorn, 23-16 in overtime. All right, here we go. Top five. Number five in the D1 poll, North Carolina A&T State. The Aggies, winners of six in a row. Don't look now. Um, they actually defeated Norfolk State 30-45 to 30. I don't even know if that score is right. I don't think that score. We might. All right. Anyway, North, North, uh, North Carolina a is five. Number four. This one caught me by surprise here. Alabama State, uh, after defeating Bethune-Cookman 37 to 22, they pop into the top four. And uh, number three is actually Florida A&M. So we've got a three versus four matchup coming up in Montgomery this upcoming Saturday as the Rattlers have won seven in a row, and they take their uh, show on the road, still fighting for an opportunity at the playoffs. North Carolina Central jumps FAMU from three to two this week, and they control their own destiny. It seems like they just need one more win against Norfolk State to wrap up uh, the MEAC title and get the invitation to the Celebration Bowl. And, of course, number one, without a doubt, Jackson State, a class of their own, uh, 9-0, and uh, um, I think. Well, they actually have to defeat Alabama A&M. That will be in the Gulf Coast Challenge. That game will be down in Mobile. So a, a neutral site game for both teams and uh, should be a good game. So there's our top five, Jackson State, North Carolina Central, A&M, and Alabama State, three versus four is this week. North Carolina A&T comes in at five. All right, any uh, anything you want to add on the top five from either, you know, non-D1 or D1, Drew? Uh, Brian, I want you to ponder on this, and I want our listeners to ponder on this. Michael Watson, no, Charles Bishop asked me this question this morning on Dr. Cavill's show. How would I equate Benedict's in the SIEC? And my answer was, I would equate Benedict as the Jackson State of Division Two and of the SIAC, the way Jackson State is dominating the SWAC. Benedict is dominating the SIEC, especially on the defensive side. While there may be teams whose offenses uh, come into the game good, no one has been able to compete with Benedict defensively in the SIEC. Uh, I heard you say that, and I agree 100 with that, 100%. Um, Pretty impressive that we have two teams in similar fashions. Although, you know, I I still would say Virginia Union is kind of like the one B. I, I think that one loss, you know, sort of an uncharacter un, uncharacteristic way to lose that game the way they did. Had that not happened, they'd be. But defensively, Virginia Union is can, not what Benedict can. has been defensively this year. Okay, Virginia Union is good. Right, we'll, don't get we'll me wrong. But defensively, I don't think Virginia Union can top what Benedict or even compete with what Benedict has done on the defensive side of the ball. I hear what you're saying. All right, we'll we'll take a look at it deeper dive on uh, uh, upcoming. So, all right. So as we mentioned, football basketball season begins Monday in Division One. Division One men and women's basketballs taking off this upcoming week. And so, you know, get ready for some late nights and lots of opportunities to watch our HBCUs. And one of the things that I think you got to 
take in consideration the, a lot of these non-conference games early. You're going to see some games against some Power 5 teams. There might even be a few games against some other mid-majors. We'll be interested to see. So very quickly, yeah, money games, the money games, right? <laughs> so give me give me my money. So will, it, I, where, will there be an upset? It'll be interesting to see in the upcoming week. But I just want to kind of – I'm not going to read them all. Uh, you can go to uh, meexports.com. You can go to swag.org. But just some games that, as I look at the first couple of days of the season, that kind of stand out to me as some games of interest. Uh, over in the MEAC on Monday, you've got Howard traveling to fourth-ranked Kentucky. Um, you know, so I, Howard has always represented themselves well, but – Opening the season against Kentucky, that'll be interesting. North Carolina Central on Monday night. Uh, let me say Howard at Kentucky, that'll be on the SEC Network. That's a 6.30 Eastern tip-off. Um, you've also got Morgan State at Xavier. Uh, I believe that's Xavier in Ohio. 7.30, that'll be on Fox Sports 1. Um, then... North Carolina Central had a down year last year, but we know Coach Moten uh, has an opportunity. I mean, look, we, we respect what that program is and him as a coach. They take on 18th-ranked Virginia, 9 p.m. That'll be on the ACC Network uh, as I just kind of breeze through. Tuesday, Coppin State at Georgetown. Coppin State plays Monday night against Charlotte. Then they go – in today. That'll be a big one. That's Baltimore, D.C. area. I bet there's a lot of guys who who played against each other or do play against each other in that area. Uh, that's on Fox Sports 1, 8.30 p.m. on Tuesday. That's a Tuesday game. Um, real quick, uh, if, I, if I breeze through, I don't see anything. Uh, Friday, Howard's at George Washington on ESPN+. Plus. Norfolk State on Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern. At number five, Baylor, Big 12, uh, ESPN Plus Network, that's Friday. So there's a there's a big matchup there uh, for Norfolk State, who, who, who once again will be one of the top teams in uh, the MEAC. Over in the SWAC, um, Mississippi Valley State will get their first shot at number five, Baylor. Uh, that's a noon tip-off, noon tip-off. Take the, take the Baylor, no matter how many points they give away, take, take the points. I'm just going to tell you that. Take the points. Uh, give, give those points away, rather. Um, Florida A&M travels to number 21, Oregon, on Monday night. Oregon, Drew, is, I think, without four significant players. I'm not calling the opportunity for an upset, Drew, but if there was going to be an upset – Pay attention to Florida A&M at Oregon, 10 p.m. Eastern. I'm just just something to pay attention to. Uh, UAPB takes on number 14 TCU, 8 p.m. on Monday on the Big 12. Uh, Alcorn travels to Ole Miss on the SEC Network, 9 Eastern. Um, Thursday, Texas Southern at Texas Tech, 8 p.m. on the Big 12 Network. 8.30 p.m. on Thursday, Bethune-Cookman travels to number 13, Indiana, on the Big Ten Network. And on Friday, Southern travels to number 17, Arizona. So 
just uh, a few games of interest. Uh, we hope that the start of the season is a positive one for our men's teams. And the women's will also be playing. Um, but uh, due to time, I, I'm not going to go through any of those games. But um, we'll, we'll maybe come back and talk about those during the course of the, of the week. So uh, pay attention to that. Uh, Drew, any final thoughts here before we uh, wrap up and close up the show? Yeah, just want to mention that uh, NAIA basketball has already begun and Division Two basketball will begin this upcoming weekend. I believe most of those Division Two games will begin on like Thursday or Friday. Right, so uh, tis the season for hoops. And uh, that just gives us more kind of more stuff to talk about, more stuff to pay attention to. So, uh, you know, do the best you can. Stay up to everything going on. Check into your conference pages, your school pages. And uh, always follow the Black College Sports Network and all of our shows for updated information, different conversations uh, to continue to drive this uh, this vehicle uh, of uh, black college sports. So. Uh, that's going to do it for tonight's show. We got getting out a little bit early. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Make and up for all those times we keep you late. Keep you late. <laughs> exactly. We're making up for all the times we stay late. So we're picking up and getting up out of here early. And uh, so we appreciate you watching on Facebook and on Twitter and on YouTube. Make sure you hit the thumbs up as you hit as you hit the door. And uh, go download the Jericho Broadcast Network's app on the Google Play and Apple App Store. And be looking out for the BCSN Pod Zone, which is now on Amazon Music. So you can simply say, hi, Alexa, play BCSN Pod Zone. And the Pod Zone will come up, promise. I've tried it. It works. Beautiful thing. Uh, we're also on Spotify, iHeart, Apple, Google Podcast, uh, everywhere you get your podcast. So for my partner, A.D. Drew, I'm Brian Fulford. Thanks for hanging in and uh, tuning in to the Sports Wrap. And uh, Thursday night, we'll have our SIAC and CIAA football championship previews right here on the Black College Sports Network. Be safe. Read my column on D2Football.com. Don't forget, read my column on D2Football.com. Well, holla. But you know, my stay on hard.